Here we are back again together and always great to be with you. This is David Carnes and this is the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. And you know that over the past several weeks, we've been spending time walking through what is called the prologue to the Gospel of John, the first 18 verses in chapter one of John's Gospel. And throughout the prologue, John is really focusing in on one thing, and that is the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is God. And he's been making the argument right from the very beginning, going back to verse number one. But now, as we continue to study this wonderful piece of scripture, we come to a part of the text that I've come to refer to as how John came to know that Jesus is God. I mean, what is it that John saw? What is it that John experienced that proved to him that Jesus is God? And this is really how this prologue comes to an end, starting in verse number 14 of chapter 1, going to the end of verse number 18. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to come to find how John the Apostle actually came to realize that Jesus is God. And again, we will see what John saw. We will see what John experienced as he was around Jesus day after day for that three-year period of time during the ministry of Jesus. But today, we begin with the first piece of evidence that John had to point to that proved to him that Jesus is deity. And that first item that John had that proved to him the deity of Jesus was he saw the glory of God through the life of Jesus, the glory of God. And so this is what we are going to look at today, the glory of God lived out through the life of Jesus. And again, this was proof for John that Jesus was and is God. So if you have your Bible close by, take it now, open it up to John chapter 1, and today we are going to look at verses 14 and 15 as we spend time in God's Word. Now, as we look at this again, we ask the question, John, how did you come to realize that Jesus is God? Here's number one, write it down if you're a note taker. Number one, John saw the glory of God through Jesus. John saw the glory of God through Jesus. We see this in verses 14 and 15. Look at verse 14. That's where we'll start. That first little phrase, let's just look at it for a moment. Verse number 14, and the word became flesh. Now, again, we stop there. Again, John, what does he do here? A couple of words. Let's just pull out. The word became flesh. First of all, the word. Jesus. This is a reference to Jesus. Jesus, the one that spoke God's word. God speaking to man. John calls him the word. But then there's that word flesh. Again, you see that little statement, the word became flesh. In the Greek text, that word flesh, it is the word sarx. It's an interesting word because it can really speak of two items. First of all, the word can speak of the moral element of a person when you speak of flesh. What I mean is there are times in the Bible in which the Bible speaks of someone that lives in the flesh. In other words, that person is living in their sin. And that's what that speaks of. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, Paul writes, The one that lives for God will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, the one who's truly living for God is not going to desire to live in sin, the flesh. 
And so that's one way that this word flesh is to be used or to be understood. But another way this word is used, and we see it in Scripture, is the word can just simply speak of the physical. It can speak of the body. It can speak of a person. And let me say this, with that in mind, this is how John uses that word here. He's just speaking of the person. He's speaking of the body. John's saying the word became a person. That's what he's saying. God became a human. Again, Jesus, God in the flesh. But then with that said, just keep reading. Again, look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. (laughs) Now this is good. Watch this. There's an interesting word that's used here. For the word dwelt, and is that what you have in your Bible? The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Skenu in the Greek text, the word literally means to pitch a tent. That's what the word means. And what John is saying here is Jesus, God in the flesh, he's all man, he's all God. He came and he camped out with us. That's what he's saying. He came and habitated with us. He lived with us. Now that's an exciting truth, isn't it? And that's exactly what God did. And he did it for 33 years. Jesus lived on this earth. And again, such an exciting truth. But then we just keep moving on. And we get to really the first point then that we're bringing out. John saw the glory of God through Jesus. So you look back at verse number 14. John then goes on to write this. Speaking of the word, speaking of Jesus, he says, And we have seen his glory. Do you see that there? And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, there's a lot there. Let me start with this first statement in that phrase where John again writes, and we have seen His glory. You see that, right? Now, two words that I want to bring out. First word is the word seen. We have seen. That's what John says. The word seen means to view attentively. I mean, you're really focused. That's what he's saying. But then you continue to study that word, and that word can actually mean also a great desire, to see with a great desire and pleasure. In other words, what you're seeing, it's very pleasurable. That's what that word speaks about. And so right here, really what I want you to see is whatever it was about Jesus that John and the other apostles and the other disciples Whatever it is that they saw in Jesus, it was something that always gave them great, what? Pleasure. Now with that said, we might then want to ask the question at this point, so what do you think they saw? What did the others see? What did, what did John see? What did Peter see and, and Matthew and James and the rest of them? What did they see when they looked at Jesus? Well, you see the word glory there, right? That's what they saw. When they were in the presence of Jesus, they saw glory. Now, another question, and that is, what is that? What is that glory that John's talking about? And again, when they were in the presence of the word, this is what they saw when they were in the presence of Jesus. What is that? Well, let me say that many times when we speak of the glory of God, we first think of light. When you read through scripture, that's what you get a picture of, light, A bright light, a radiant light, a clear, pure light. And we see this with God all throughout Scripture. For example, we're told that in the Old Testament that God, He would guide the people of Israel when they were out in the wilderness during the day by a pillar of cloud and then at night by what? A pillar of light. That, by the way, was 
an expression of God's glory being revealed. Also, then, you can just continue to read through Scripture. Exodus chapter 40, we're told that the glory of God inhabited the tabernacle by way of a cloud. Again, an exhibition of God's great glory. This bright, brilliant cloud would be there. Also, even in the New Testament, we see this. And I can think of what is referred to in Scripture as the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus had Peter and James and John there with him. You can read about it. The occasion takes place in Matthew 17, also in Luke chapter 9. But in Matthew's account, we are told this. We are told that Jesus, he actually revealed a portion of his glory to these three men, Peter, James, and John. And the text says, the face of Jesus shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And again, what Jesus was doing there was allowing Peter, allowing James, John to see as much of God's glory as they could handle. But again, it was through light that this was done. This bright, pure, brilliant, radiant light. And so when we think of the glory of God, this is what we tend to think of. But let me say that the glory of God and what John is talking about here, it really goes a lot deeper, much deeper than this brilliant light. But what glory here speaks of and what the glory of God speaks of, and don't miss this, is the attributes of God. When you start talking about the glory of God, what you're really talking about is you're talking about the attributes of God. Those attributes that were lived out perfectly daily all the time through the life of the Lord Jesus. What I mean by this, by the way, and I can give us an example of this. I'm going to take us back to the Old Testament just for a moment. But back in Exodus chapter 3, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 33 and Exodus chapter 34, there is this amazing account of Moses. Moses asked God the following question. Moses asked God, can I see your glory, God? I'd like to see your glory. And guess what God says? God says, yes, but this is how I'm going to do it. And that is, I'm going to place you in the cleft of a rock. And as I pass by, I'm going to cover you with my hand until I have passed you by. And then after I have passed, I will take my hand away. And then, and only then, you will be able to look at my backside. In other words, God said, I'm going to let you see only as much glory of me as you can handle. Because remember that the Bible says that no one can see God and live. Exodus 33, verse 20. Sinful man, no way sinful man can live in the presence of a righteous God. The purity is just too overwhelming. But now, that isn't all the account about Moses and God. I want you to hear this. There's more here. And this is where we get this truth about the glory of God being the attributes of God. But here is where we see this, and it is as God passed by Moses. In Exodus uh, chapter 34, starting in verse number 6, the text says this, and listen very closely. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. Now the Lord's talking as he goes by Moses. And the Lord proclaimed this. The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. The text then goes on to say, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. (laughs) Now, I want you to hear this. But remember, what did Moses ask God? Can I see your glory? What did God say? Okay. Yes. God passed by, but at the same time, God began to speak, didn't he? And when he began to speak, what did he begin to proclaim? He began to proclaim his attributes. God said, I'm God. God said, I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm loving. I'm faithful. I'm forgiving. Also, I'm visiting iniquity on the guilty. In other words, I'm just. Understand this. He said, that's my glory. You want to know my glory? You want to see it? That's it. The attributes of God, who He is. The perfect attributes of God. But now, with all that in mind, we go back then to John chapter 1, verse 14, when John says, as the Word, Jesus dwelt among us, we saw His glory. What was He saying? John was saying on a daily basis, as we were around Jesus, we saw the attributes of God lived out perfectly all the time, every day, through Jesus. That's what he's saying. Every day, we saw the mercy of God. Every day, we saw the grace of God, the patience, the love, the faithfulness, the forgiveness, the justice of God. Again, lived out perfectly through Jesus. And so when he says, we saw his glory, that's what he's speaking of. That's what he's talking about. And this proved to John that Jesus is God. It proved it. That's what he needed and he saw it. But then just to draw two other items out of verse number 14, look at it with me. But you look back at your Bibles and again, John writes, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We have seen his glory. And then look what he says next. Glory as of the only son from the father. Now, just briefly, some translations at this point actually read the glory as of the only begotten of the father. That little phrase there, the only begotten of the father. We scratch our head. We ask, what does that mean? We have looked at that in the past. We have studied that. The word that is used there in the Greek text simply means unique. That's what it means. The Word speaks of uniqueness. And John at that point is saying, Jesus, the Word, He definitely is unique in that He is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh. And when we were in His presence, we saw God and His attributes. We saw it through this unique one, is what he's saying. But then you just keep moving on. What a great verse, huh? Right? But you keep moving on. You see at the end of verse number 14, John says this, He says, full of grace and truth. Again, speaking of Jesus here, full of grace and truth. Right here, John is just giving. What's he doing? He's giving just two examples of the attributes of God, isn't he? That's what he's doing. That he saw in Jesus every day. There were many attributes, but here he just gives two examples of what he saw. And again, what did he see? He says, but he saw grace lived out. By the way, we're going to talk more about that in the next point. Grace. But he also said, and we saw truth lived out through Jesus, every day. Let me just focus on the attribute of truth in Jesus for a moment. John saw this lived out in Jesus every day. Truth, all the time. Jesus, perfect truth, right? Perfect truth. By the way, John chapter 14, verse 6, you can quote the words of Jesus here. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
Jesus shares only what is truth. Unlike his foe, by the way, the devil, who the Bible calls the father of lies. John chapter 8, verse 44. But this word truth, interesting word, let me bring this out for us. You do a study on this word here, and you find out how it's used specifically in this verse, in this text, this word truth. But right here, when John uses the word truth, he is using it to refer specifically, now hear me on this, he's using it to refer to the gospel. And what I mean is John only saw Jesus share the truth about eternal life. Jesus never lied about the gospel. He never tweaked it. He never did that. And what this means is Jesus would only share, for example, that he is the only way to salvation. That sinful man needs Jesus for salvation. He would only share that man is sinful and needs a Savior. He never said, oh, work your way to God. No, he did not distort the gospel. It was always the truth. Again, what will the devil do with the gospel? The, the devil will twist it. He will lie about it. But every day John saw God's grace and John saw the truth spoken by God in the flesh every day. Specifically, he always saw Jesus speaking the truth about the gospel. But he saw the glory of God through Jesus. He saw it lived out every day. And this proved to John that Jesus was God. But then just one more thing before we go to point two. You look at verse number 15. You, you have your Bible open. Look at verse number 15 because we can incorporate this here with this point. John the Apostle now in verse number 15, you notice he brings up John the Baptist and he does it again because now he's already brought up John the Baptist once in this prologue of his gospel. You remember back in verses 6 through 8. But in verse number 15, look what John the Apostle writes about John the Baptist. John writes, John bore witness. Now that John right there is John the Baptist. John bore witness about him, that's Jesus, and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, this is interesting. <laughs> we ask the question, what is all this about? Because we look at this and we see that John the Baptist says, that this one that I have proclaimed, and he's talking about Jesus, he comes after me and he ranks before me because he was before me. How is it that somebody can come after you but still be before you? That's the question. The answer is this. John the Baptist was out there doing what? He's out there in the wilderness. He's proclaiming Messiah. He's preaching about Jesus. Some of what he said was, again, Messiah outranks me. John, being a prophet... But Messiah, he says, Messiah outranks me. And we ask, why is that? Notice John the Baptist would say, because the one that comes after me really came before me. Now, interesting. But what that means is, and what John the Baptist was saying was, yes, J Jesus, he did come after me. For example, Jesus was born after John the Baptist. Also, the ministry of Jesus came after John the Baptist. But... Here's what we also need to remember as we look at this. Yes, John says I was born before him. That's why he says that I came before him. But now with that said, we ask, what's the point of all this? Because he says he did outrank me. And he says, and he did come before me, which means he always existed 
He's always been. And so the point of what John is saying here about John the Baptist is, you know what? There's somebody else who proclaimed the eternal existence of Jesus. There's somebody else who spoke of the deity of Jesus. And that was John the Baptist. Let me just say this to you. That would have been huge for the Jewish audience. Why? Because the Jews always needed two witnesses. We go back to Deuteronomy, don't we? We go back to Deuteronomy. It speaks of the need for two witnesses to verify something. Two witnesses to verify truth. And so you have that right here. And so John, speaking to the Jewish audience, says, you got your two witnesses. Jesus is God. A wonderful piece of scripture. Jesus lived out God's glory for all to see. Jesus, he revealed God's attributes. And he could do this because Jesus was and is God in the flesh. A wonderful truth. Well, we are going to continue to look at this text the next time we come together. And again, we are just going to continue to see how John the Apostle knew that Jesus was God. What he saw, what he experienced when he was in the very presence of our Lord. But until we get back together, you just continue to live for Jesus. You love him, you trust him, you follow him, share him with others. And I so look forward to seeing you again as we spend time in God's Word.